Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me to talk classics, cobbles, rain, not rain, capes, sunshine, saddle sores, blogs, bars, cooking, chocolate, um, milk and other stuff is my dear friend Sarah. Hello Dan. How are you doing? I might have been making things that I think I actually segued into my grocery list somewhere along the way there. So Yeah, I uh, think you did, but you know, remember always get your embrication and your and your chamois cream separate in your bag. Uh yeah. And put them on in the right order and in the right place. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Ooh, <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> oh yes. We're so subtle too, I'm sure no one knows what we're talking about. Um I guess this has been a pretty pretty big week. I mean, you know, we're both very excited anyway because it's it's classics time and stuff. But um, you know, uh, we've we had two two major races on the same day, which is a little bit outside the norm. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because Trofeo Alfredo Binder is. I think it's been. I think it's had thirty nine editions of the race over forty years. It's one of the like really. Look, let's let's historic. let's just say a hundred. That's a good good round number. People can remember. It's been on a hundred years in a row for thirty nine years straight. So. Such a liar! No, you can't say that. They'll believe you, Dan. People believe you. People know you're the expert on women's cycling. So, no, yes. no one be- believes. Well, my mum believes. No, I think my mum pretends to believe me when I tell her I've been good. Yes. Anyway, but Trofeo Alfredo Binder, it's a historical classic race. It's been in the Women's Road World Cup since the World Cup started about six years ago. Mm. And it's, it's, it's lovely. It's just a lovely spring race. And yeah, and, but it's interesting because it's been on it this weekend for years. And then at the same time, Hent Wevelgem for the men is on it this year for, at the same time. And, last, and, and, and this is the third year there's been a women's race at Kent. And yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because I really enjoy the fact that you can have a race for the climbers and the big World Cup stars over in Binda, but you can also have a race for sprinters at the same time who just get dropped in Binda. You know, they just be dropped horribly if they were even going. Yeah. And yeah, and it's nice. I like it. And it there is, is a- it is a very uh, Binda is a, a pretty cruel race if you if you're not a climber. Um, I mean, hell, it's a pretty cruel race even if you are a climber. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a bit of an issue because Kent Wevelgem wants to Kent <laughs> wants to be a World Cup, and that would mean that Binder had to move, and that's that's difficult. And I have issues with that because obviously the UCI is going to prioritise the men's race and the Flanders Classics because they have a lot of money in. But it's just it's a, it would be a shame because these race organisers put on a really good show. I loved it. Like. Were you watching them on Twitter all week? Um, well, all week they they only were on Sunday, weren't they? Yeah, but <laughs> in the whole but in the whole lead up, they were really, really, yeah. really active. They were fantastic. Oh, and it was it was a really exciting week. I was looking forward to it um, for for all of those things. Uh, you know, you know, I. I I, I I agree with you, and I, I to a to an extent in that like I I love that there are races that are geared towards riders with different skills and and <laughs> um and obviously it's it's good to have I mean we don't have a lot of races left that that really do favour the climbers so it's good to <laughs> to have some races for them, um, but at the same time it is you know as as a fan it's a little bit frustrating that they're both on basically at the same time. 
Um, but I guess that would be more of an issue if either of them were televised. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, as in like, like when I'm following a race on Twitter, it's actually a lot easier to, to follow another race on Twitter as well. Um, mm. You know, rather than rather than you know, if you've got to pick and choose live streams and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it was a really interesting weekend, wasn't it? Because at the same time, you had the Criterium International, you had Men's Hentweb, you had the Volta Volta Catalunya. It's just like a crazy, crazy. I mean, this is this mm. time of year is just crazy, and it's beautiful because you know you can't have spring races at any time other than spring, can you? Well, I mean, well, it's, technically, you could you know go to a different hemisphere at a different time of year. That that's also an option, but I take yes. your point in general, sort of. Yes, a but little bit. the racing. So without, I mean, the racing, oh, the racing, Dan, let's start with the Trofeo Binder because it was the second round of the World, Road World Cup. Tell our dear listener what you thought of the racing. Well, look, honestly, this race was pretty incredible um, compared to recent years for the simple fact that it wasn't, you know, pissing rain or, or <laughs> hailing or, or some sort of apocalyptic weather happening. It was, it was actually a little bit weird. It took me a while to get used to the idea of it happening in the sunshine. Mm. Um, so yeah, look, uh, it's it's. Um, I guess the the main feature of the race is is that it's defined by that uh, that climb on the um, on the the laps that they they do, um, yeah. you know, and it's four laps, isn't it? Yes, four laps. Yeah, they start yep. off with they, they've changed the course this year, so it starts on before it started in Ciglio, and I think actually. Tiglio, but I think it's fantastic that they've changed it because it now starts on um, Laverno Monbello, which is a small town on the shores of Lake Maggiore. So all the kind of pre-race pictures mm. are all there, like in front of this beautiful blue lake with this yeah. stunning scenery, snow-capped mountains in the distance. Like you and just sit if there. If there go, is, if there is one thing the Italians know how to do with their races, it's put them in front of really fucking beautiful sets. Oh my. God. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's a hallmark of Italian racing that everything is just so goddamn picturesque. It's horrible. Yeah, I was um, just sitting, like gagging to go, like literally sitting there, going, "How can I get there next year? How can I get there next year?" Because holy shit, it's gorgeous, and you know the mountains are beautiful. The the, the and it's and it's interesting because at this time of year, it's just like Drenta last week, where the trees aren't green yet. Mm. And, mm. and you can just picture this is how beautiful it is now. Imagine what it's going to be like in like three weeks, four weeks time when everything's fresh, young greenery and spring yeah, flowers. Yeah. And, and then imagine what it's going to be like in the summer. And basically you're just like, yes, I want to go there. I've got mm. to go there. Bucket list time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, then, so, then after, after the, the lead up, um, it's four laps on the 17, yeah. 17K circuit. Um, yeah. And the features, the Orsino climb, which... Is... Arena. Oh, you know, maybe you're right. Or, 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 I thought it was Orsino. I thought it was Arena. I ignore me. I, you know me. I'm spelling. Right. And well, I'm assuming Orsino, but I'm open to correction uh, because I'm Just... a very, very teachable fellow. Um, <laughs> not prone to opinions or, or conviction. Um, <laughs> but but it's, a, it's about it's about three k's of climbing. Um, but the key thing is because it's a, a 17 k, roughly, you know, 17 and change k. Um, circuit, one of the things is that uh, that climb just hits you every time and yeah, um, yeah. and and it's it's actually kind of even though this is an Italian race it's kind of similar to the 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 northern you know like Dutch and Belgian races in that regard where you know the climbs aren't necessarily super hard 
um, you know, compared to doing something in the high Alps or, or whatever. Yeah. But because you hit them so regularly, you, you don't really get time to recover, you know, yeah. and, and there's fast descents off the back, but then it's whip round, you know, fight your way back onto whoever attacked on the climb if you're not there or fight to stay away if you're the one who attacked. And then, yeah. holy shit, here's the climb again. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's one of those ones where the build-up of the the strain on your legs is is a key part of it, and it's something that we saw a lot of riders talk about. Um, but one of the things that I find really interesting about that that whole style of racing too, then, is that it, it becomes um, really about effort management yeah. and timing your effort properly. Um, yeah. You know, and and I think this is one of the really interesting things about women's racing over the last couple of years is that we're, we're really starting to see that sort of tactical. Um, and practical sort of scientific knowledge really take hold amongst all the riders and teams and the way that they're approaching these things is is really interesting. So we've got this great combination of, you know, women's racing being naturally quite attacky and aggressive anyway, but also, you know, like there's just all these... <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like a... It's like a, a a fantasy Bond villain super army of, of incredibly <laughs> hyper-intelligent professional cyclists. Just, just all, and we attack now. <laughs> it's, it's, you know what I found really interesting? We'll talk about it afterwards a little bit, but which of the teams were going? Because mm. in the early parts of the race, it was um, special, and I thought Specialized Lululemon would be up there, yeah? So yep. in the early parts of the race, it was Specialized Lululemon, Rabobank, and Bowles. Bowles yeah. were incredible. And Megan Garnier was just the most unbelievable, just, oh my God. I think Megan was in at least three or four moves yeah different different attempts but but you're absolutely right like everyone who who um you would expect from from the the sort of bigger teams the major teams was was having a crack you know and um you know the the um there was bowls live uh rubber live uh orica you know everyone had a go um, Wiggle were involved, and and then obviously you know a couple of from the the smaller and particularly Italian teams as well trying to put on a good show, but it was really interesting to see because there were several times where there'd be a small break, um, and they might get you know I think forty three seconds was the 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 sort of biggest break mm. you know in the early stages of the race, um, but but no one was ever really happy to to let it go because it was it was never quite the right mix of people. And so yeah, yeah. It, it was quite frenetic racing, but also because of the the style of racing and because of the the climb. Um, the other thing is that you've got teams sending riders to the front, try yeah, you because know, everyone knows this is where this is where the attacks are going to happen. This is where what's going to happen. So you're trying to get your position there, get your protected riders up with a couple of support riders, and take care of business. And yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's just one of those really interesting ones. I think the other thing that kind of um, stood out to me is um, Evie Stevens um, had just come over from the US to, to kick her season off. And, um, I, I, you know, I wasn't expecting her necessarily to, you know, I wouldn't have listed her as my as one of my top favourites to win, um, but but certainly thought she'd be, she'd be competitive and up there. Um, and it was interesting watching as the race developed because her, her attacks probably came... In my in my opinion, you know, it, it looked like it came together as a as a solid attack, but it was probably too early, um, and she well, was she shut down reasonably quickly. She and, attacked on the last climb because yeah. I mean the other thing the other thing about this is that like I mean that climb is is lethal, but it's also very close to the end of the race. It's something like seven kilometers from the end, yeah, and then it ends with a but uh, I, sprint. 
And I think I think that's one of the things that makes it quite difficult to judge, you know, um, and and particularly, you know, like I haven't been to to Italy and and ridden these roads and let alone raced them. So, you know, I'm in no position to to question um, someone else's you know read of the the race and everything and and their own feeling and that sort of thing. But it just you know in in terms of looking at what's happened and, and analysis, it just looks like, um, you know. I can understand why she'd attacked there, um, but it looks like it was it was just not quite the right place, and she might have been better if she'd if she'd held off a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can never say for sure. Yeah, and I think I think I mean, for me, what was it was so. Well, let's talk about the race, and then we can talk about the team tactics afterwards. Yeah. All right. So they they'd had all these. Uh, they'd had the, they'd had a couple of early attacks, and and especially watching that women's cycling style, where when you've got a rider, you've got you know they had a six woman break on the first lap, which included Megan Garnier and um, Lucinda Brand of Rabo, and those two could win the race. Yeah. Yep. So you end up in that situation. We got a six woman break. Right. Everyone else has to chase them down. Then. A couple of kilometres, you know, 10 kilometres later, Megan Garnier is going again. Well, we know that if Megan can get away, and, and we know that it can be won from getting away on the second, you know, on the second lap. Right, we've got to chase her down as well. And that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, but, so when they went through the, they were, when they went through the, 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 the finish line at the end of the third lap, there were 10 riders in up front. And yep. then they ended up, by the time they hit the bottom of the climb, there were 29 riders. Yeah. Then Evie attacked on the climb. Six women pass her and take over, which was um, Emma Johansson, last year's winner. So that's so they're amazing, amazing caliber. This group, you're like, this is why this group is the best. Yep. They had Elisa Longo Borghini, who won last year. Emma Johansson, who's been second here three times. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Um, who else they had? Ellen Van Dyke, who is third here. Like, sorry, not Ellen Van Dyke. So. Lizzie of Armistead, who is yep, who who run Drenta, and um, Anna van der Breggen and Paulina Ferran Prevost, both from Rabobank, two Rabobanks. Oh my God! Yep. And Paulina had got away. And who was my fifth? Oh, and Elena Elena, and, and Amelia Luzic. Yep. Amelia Luzic, and you're like, and someone was saying on Podium Cafe that Evie's a better climber than than quite a lot of those riders, but they she just she just and that's partly it's about her being over here at the you know it's about her it being her first race. She's riding onto form for flesh full on you know yeah, what i mean she's yeah, not exactly you know this isn't but, where she's planning to peak but it's also you know it is also a mix of of all the different things that happen on the day um yeah, yeah. you know yeah. sorry yeah i mean i was i was and then so you've got these six riders going over the top and then oh my god i watched the rye sport had an hour highlight and one of my favorite things was watching um olga zabelinskaya who's um the olympic bronze medalist in um, road race and ITT and Ellen Van Dyke who's the current ITT champion and they both chased back they were chasing back mm. on from the de- from the descent and they did that a beautiful thing where first of all they were descending amazingly and then they were both time trialing to get back to the break yeah yeah oh, oh my god that was good riding and as soon as they got back to the break you got six riders suddenly one of them is Lizzie Armitstead Ellen's Lizzie's teammates. Yeah, you suddenly got the dynamic change because Ellen just goes straight to the front and starts pounding. <laughs> mm, mm, exactly, and and and, but this is exactly that whole thing of of um, you know you, you as a rider as a team you make your preparations, but 
yeah. everything changes in in that moment in the heat of the moment and in all the all the you know multi-varied things that that can happen in a race to you know some of them you mark down as luck some of them you mark down as as um preparation and and yeah. some you know it, it's just a good decision made on instinct you know yeah, yeah and yeah. and that's the way it works it's it's really really interesting because it it all came together at that time but then when it came time to and i finally get to do this without actually ruining it for you when it came time for, for Emma Johansson to launch her attack, she was, like, fantastic. I, I can't think of a, a different way to describe it. Like, she was just strong, hard, just she went for it and, and really, really, you know, it wasn't one of those one by 400 bike lengths dominant kind of things, but it was a like you could just see all of that, all of those things sort of coming together for her. And um, and it was a really great, really great ride. Oh, she was so clever because then yep. what had happened? Because of course, <laughs> talked about it before we finished talking about the race. <laughs> oh. As they were coming up the uphill finish line, I've got to say that that how it looks on TV is distorting because it's more uphill than it looks. Yeah. Mm. So coming up, Ellen was leading out. Ellen, you know, leading out. Lizzie and Ellen is so fast she's such a good time trialist that she does this so that no one can ride past her but Emma just jumps and she jumps at the point where the road narrowed and it was just beautiful just mm. really clever and literally photo finish you know literally won it by two seconds over Lizzie Armitstead yep. with photo finish for third with Alina, Alina Amunusik of Astana Beeping beating Anna van der Breggen yeah, into, you know, yeah. Third place. and and to the just, point that like people were actually calling it for Anna at first, um, yeah. you know, like it was yeah. all the way down to the the photo to determine that it was a great great finale to a very exciting and attacky yeah. race. Just this race every year it does something different, and every mm. year I love it. And mm. and I mean, and Emma Emma is the number one ranked rider in the world. She's 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 up there in every. Well, movie. she's every she's last year's. Race. Last year's number one ranked rider in the world. At the moment, um, Lizzie's leading the rankings. So no, no, Emma's no, she's not. Isn't she? Oh, I thought no, she no, was. Emma's, oh no, she's no, just le she's leading the World Cups. Yeah, oh, my mistake. Yeah, no, Emma. Um, Emma's just. I mean, she is just a phenomenal rider. She's good at everything. She tries. For, she wants to win everything, but she hasn't won a World really? Cup. Really? Really? Are you sure about that? I mean, you know, I, I I heard an interview with her last week where she said that she wanted to win everything. So, are you sure she wants to win everything? Because that that doesn't sound like the Emma I heard in that interview. <laughs> I did interview Emma Johansson <laughs> last week. Um, <laughs> and what did she say? She said she wants to win everything. Yes. Well, she was interesting because I was asking her about whether she, you know, what does she think about being the number one ranked rider in the world? What does mm. she think about is is the World Cup overall one of her goals? And she was like, no. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I actually not. really loved how matter of fact she was um, in that interview, and also, even though even though she said that she doesn't feel like she's been adopted by the Aussies, anyone who sounds that Aussie in their English, um, and and so on, she's totally she's totally adopted by Aussie, definitely, <laughs> definitely. No, seriously, her accent is actually like really kind of suspiciously partly Australian. It's awesome. But yeah, I mean she's. I mean, yeah, she's. I really enjoyed interviewing Emma. If you haven't listened to it, go to our site, prowomenscycling.com, or look us up on um, iTunes, because I had a really good time. 
it was it was great and it was really cool to to have that happen um the week before so sarah could take all the credit for for emma winning because obviously it's because we interviewed her and by we i mean sarah we have a joke Um, i write on this website podiumcafe.com and years ago we start i started this joke that any rider who interacted with podium cafe got a good result and I had various tweets that I um, found from, you know, riders mentioning articles and stuff like that. And, you know, it was like, yeah, if you mention Podium Cafe, you get an up to, up spike in your... Um... In your results, yeah. yeah. So and, if, you know, you're, and, and if, you're, just... if you're on the edge of your, your peak form, but you want to you wanna lock in that podium place, then, then this is how to do it, kids. But, you know, last year I interviewed Elisa Longo-Borghini just before she won Binder. And, of course, I interviewed Kirsten Beald before she won Qatar. <laughs> and, and, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's not at all that I pick the riders I think are going to win. No, no, no. It's pure. It's pure. It's no, pure. no, no. Because cause if you were doing that, you'd be better at VDS. So. Yeah, virtual director sportif. If anyone's going, what? What? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not VD. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Emma, it's her first. I can't believe she hasn't won a World Cup since two thousand and nine. I know, like, it's amazing. That must have burnt her, and she's come second so many times. She was on the podium. Oh God, of, of all four of, of all four of the um, Spring World Cups last year. Oh no, yeah. she wasn't on the podium for Flash, but she's on the podium for Drenthe, uh, Binder, Flanders. Mm. It's just this must be so just must be so and to win it in such a you know she won it with really clever racing you know yeah. like like Orica they didn't really have much of a team supporting her today because you know Luce Hunnawake was off sick and Spratty had been out in the in the in the lap one attack you know in the lap one yeah, break yeah. but but it wasn't like you know it wasn't like being there it wasn't like being you know Van der Breggen and Fran Prevost um for, or, or 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 Van Dyke and Armistead it was like it was you know she won that you know she won that she won that on cleverness and she was up there in all the chasers you know when they went through the last the through at lap, the end of lap three there was emma on the front you know yeah yeah she raced that to perfection she oh, was yeah. just oh, yeah i i, I, I and, doff my cap to you madam and and that's what i mean when i say it you know it, it's just one of those things where you could just sort of see it all coming together it's like you know it, it's the Hollywood moment of a race, isn't it? Where it's just like, yes, yeah. all that preparation, all that training, all the all the hard work, and and all the time that you spent giving the finger to the the doubters and the naysayers. <laughs> <laughs> all the all the time you spent in a Belgian pub, cycling a a, a stationary bike stool, sipping <laughs> sipping Coca Cola. <laughs> It was interesting because the other thing was like so Anna van der Breggen was interviewed in English. There's a little video on um, you, on on YouTube from the Rabo Link video where Anna van der Breggen is talking about how Pauline Fran Prevot was going really, really, really well. Pauline, I don't know how you say that in French. Sorry, Pauline Fran Prevot was going really well, but she had gear problems in a sprint. Mm. So Anna originally going to be riding to lead out Pauline, right? And then and then Pauline couldn't do it. And and another one of my beautiful moments was, I think it was lap three, when Pauline had attacked solo up the climb and descended slow, solo. And you're like, oh. Because <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, it's not as difficult as it is when it's raining, obviously. But, you know, they've still got the mattresses attached to the barriers at some point, you know. It's like, that's a hard descent. Mm-hmm. Oh, just gorgeous, gorgeous racing. And, yeah. So, yeah, so Bulls, I mean, Bulls Dolmans, that was a team victory. That was amazing. That was just brilliant. But 
the team that surprised me was Specialized Lululemon. I can't remember the last time there wasn't a Spec Lulu in the top ten. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I because I think Evie yeah. finished around fifteenth or something. Yeah, yeah, no, she she did. Yeah, you're and then right. the next one was Tiffany, and I think it was Tiffany but and Chantal. I, I mean, I guess that's I guess that's the thing, isn't it? With um, you know. If if you're gonna if you're gonna take your risks, if you're gonna race aggressively, if you're gonna send riders up the road to try and make and stick breaks, um, and and all of that sort of thing, that's the trade-off, isn't it? You know, you don't yeah. have the luxury of of getting your whole team to sit in if you're trying to animate the yeah, race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what I thought was very interesting. I mean, Tiffany Cromwell has a blog about the race, doesn't mm. she? On cycling. Yeah, tips. cycling tips. Yeah, I, I've been impressed. Um, cycling tips has really stepped up this year in in adding some great coverage of women's racing. And there's yeah, there, yeah. there's good blogs from from both of these major races. I mean, yeah, um, we'll talk but, about but, the but other. In, yeah, yeah. But in her blog, Tiffany was saying that actually we we misjudged it. If if we'd have if we'd have if we could rewrite it on a sunny day, you know we were riding it as we'd ridden it in previous years, yeah, which was yeah. hard. Go hard, go early. Mm. Actually, we we weren't. We just hadn't taken into account the fact that with the weather being sunny, yeah, it wasn't that wasn't going to work. And well, it, it's know, also it's it's one of those not intangible, but it's one of those things that's really hard to judge without hindsight. Is you know what? How much of an effect that weather has? You know, and yeah. so racing it one way for for you know shittier weather, um, which is what it's been for the last few years. Um, yeah. You know, you, you don't really know until you start to to try it out on the road whether or not um, that's going to work on a on a nice yeah. day. And then yeah. when it starts to not work, what you know, how much how much room is there to to adjust? I mean, you you adjust what you can, you do what you can, but it's not like yeah. you can all gather back at the team car and go, all right, guys, new plan. You know. <laughs> but, but but the thing I love, I mean, it's like it's testament to what a bloody good team they are, aren't they? Mm. Like the fact that when I was, oh my god, I can't remember when I've when 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 they haven't been doing this, and knowing that they were attacking all through the race, I just think, wow. I mean, what a great team, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like 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 it's just like there were so the three teams that had the biggest the biggest impact on the race: Rabo, Specialized, Lululemon, and Bulls as teams. Yep. How interesting. That 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 Lizzie, you know, Lizzie lost by two centimeters, but you mm, know that's because mm. Emma just rode Emma 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 out rode that yeah. rode them, but still, you know, when you look at yep. it, you go, that's so interesting. That style of well, riding, and, and then when you when you take you know Anna losing out on third by by a similarly yeah. narrow margin, and then you hear that you know you, she was initially riding for Pauline, but Pauline had a mechanical. You know, yeah. like, it does also, and this is the other thing, I mean, I don't want to keep saying this for too long because, you know, you can't use it forever, but it is still early in the season. Teams are still yeah. fitting their pieces together and yeah. and riders are still getting to know each other. You know, they've had their training camps and all that sort of stuff, but now they're learning the, you know, what it's like to race with each other kind of thing and how all these bits come together. And it's going to be amazing to see exactly those teams, you know, Rabo. Um, balls and specialized. I, I can't wait to see what each of them does as those as they start to find their their cohesion. Um, yeah. You know, I I think we're in for a spectacular season. I really do. Really excited about it. Um, the other thing that really exciting about the future before Trofeo Binder, there's a junior girls race, the Trofeo da Moreno. Yes. And this 
is I can't even imagine what it's like as a junior to ride it because they get basically they do the same run into Citiglio, Citiglio as the as the elite women do. And then they, the elite women do a long circuit before the four laps, which the juniors don't. They do the run-in, and then they do the same four laps as the elite women. And I, I imagine you get to ride exactly the same roads. You get to race exactly the same end game as, the, as, as your heroines on the mm. same day. Mm. And then presumably you're hanging around watching them, you know, watching them race afterwards. That yeah, just must yeah. Be. And they're all, they're all dreaming of being Valentina Scandalara or... <laughs> Well, Valle, Valle Scandalara's family, um, so both Elisa Longo-Borghini and Valle Scandalara had stuff about it beforehand because Valle um, lives on the on the route and um, Elisa lives the other side of Lake Maggiore. So Elisa's got this blog on Cycling News talking about how she was laughing so much on one of the climbs at her fan club. <laughs> they both they both had great turnouts from uh from, yeah, from their fans Elisa, yeah. Elisa was saying that like her the entire village comes out and they're all running up the roadside yelling and screaming and and <laughs> she's like yeah i was laughing so much yeah, i really yeah yeah no, um, it's, it's pretty awkward when it's a 78 year old nonna trying to give you a piece of cake because you look too skinny it's um... <laughs> but yeah but um so the, the junior Trofeo di Moreno was, was won by the current junior world champion, Amelie Diederichsen. And I, I don't know if you remember Junior Worlds, but she won that by basically being the cleverest. She wasn't the strongest. She was the cleverest. And, you know, out, just, just really good race tactics. And clearly she did the same thing today because she was pretty much riding solo. There was no one else in her team. Okay. Yeah. And there were, some, there, there were some big teams out there. And in Italy, they take their junior women's racing very seriously. Mm. And and they had a whole national team from France, and second and third were Greta Rishu and Celine Lamberley of France. So you're like, yeah, if those two can come second, and th-, you know, that was just, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Diederikson does in the future. That's, yeah, she's, you know, that's, that's good. Watch out for her in Junior Worlds again this year. I mean, awesome. you know, people have not her number, but wow, yeah, fun. Yeah. And, and it's it's cool for us too to um, you know you know one of those things like as you say looking to the future um, it's also one of those ones that I think is a great measure for us too to when, when they are riding um, almost exactly the same course you know that that you do actually get a really good really good look at them and um, and how they're progressing so. I just, it just must be it just must be one of those things that makes it feel worthwhile you know you're 17 or 18 years old. And you, all of your friends are starting to do different things. You know, they're starting to get cars. They're starting to go to pubs. They're, you know what I mean? Everyone's yep. got serious boyfriends or, or girlfriends or whatever. You know what I mean? You've got like this, this, it must be to have that kind of, to be able to ride. Actually, yeah, this is what I do. You know what I mean? This is how I'd ride that. Maybe, maybe next year I could be, you know, maybe in two years time, I could be on a team. I could be racing and- this in the world cup. And then all the all those other things that happen too, those bits of incidental contact when you know you're out a couple of days before just riding the course and you you bump into, you know, a pro or something, and, and yeah. you know all that sort of all that sort of you know sense of of camaraderie and um and and belonging that would come with that. It would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, really, really fantastic. You know, really, yeah. uh, it makes me happy. So the other race was Hent Webelgem, and that was the usual um, spaghetti, let's drop some spaghetti on the sh- floor thing. I don't know why they call it Hent Webelgem, because it's actually um, Ypres to Webelgem, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, look, I gave up questioning Belgian um, geography a long time ago. So, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't question it. 
Uh, one of my favourite things about Belgium is that no matter how lost you are, you're always within walking distance of a pub. And that's enough for me. I'm, I'm a man of simple pleasures. Yeah. And, but they had but they had cobbles, cobbled climbs. It mm. was basically Kemmelberg. Do I mean Kemmelberg? Yes, I yes. do. And Monteberg and another great, great classic iconic climb that people are yelling at me for not knowing and yeah it was interesting because but it's basically a sprint it's a sprinter's race but it's a sprinter's race in the way that women's cycling is it is a sprinter's race if you can survive the first 60 kilometers then it's a sprinter's <laughs> race well if you can survive the first 60 kilometers and and the five really really short but punishing climbs um then oh. it's a sprinter's race yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and it was won by Lauren Hall of Team USA. Oh wow! Not- so we're we're not even talking about the race this time. We're, we're like I get into trouble when I mention the the winning move like like a hundred meters earlier than where you were in preparation of the ra- race. But you know, you know, but you you start Samuel. you start with the winner. You just just first thing we just start with the winner. Well, yeah. Yep, start with right, the right. So, yes. so that makes me the kettle and you the pot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, but, but well, come on, you've done this in the far past five thousand podcasts. Oh, I've always that. waited for you to at least get through the intro. I have never given away a race result before you finished the intro. Yes, you have. I have never ever done that. Sometimes you've got hello. This is hello. Welcome to pro the unofficial unsanctioned women's two size cycling. You, oh, couldn't, you couldn't even say the name of the show. What show are you I'm, on right now? What I'm podcast? What is the name of the podcast that you are currently on right now? You've been on so many podcasts, you can't even remember the names of them all. <laughs> did I did I call you by the wrong name, darling? <laughs> it was just a slip of the tongue. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, that's what the Velocast guy said. I mean, um... <laughs> oh, no, um, anyway, your introduction was, Hi, I'm Dan, and with me as always to discuss Emma Johansson winning the Trofeo Alfredo Binder now, we, we, is everyone, Sarah. Everyone knows that's a lie because Emma's never won it before. <laughs> <laughs> and with me as always to discuss Mariana Voss winning the Giro Rosa, Giro Donna. Um, yeah, okay, that happened once. Okay. Um, yes. So, um, yeah. So, Hentworth again. Well, t- okay. Say about the race then. Well, no, no, it's all right. There's, you know, there's a, there's a race in Belgium and Lauren Hall won it. Uh, what's next? <laughs> oh, you're, you're the one who wants to race through this, so you know. Cool. Talk about the race. Talk about the race. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. We 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 said we take turns. This is your race. Like. <sighs> oh. Okay. Fine. Fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I just I felt like we weren't having enough bickering. We were getting along too well and. <laughs> Just needed to kick it up. <laughs> All right, shall I? Shall I right. I'll, I'll, I'll insult your tattoos next or something. <laughs> well, usually we say that for when we're not recording, but okay. Um, so the race is about—it's uh, just over 100k. It's about 112, I think, is the is the full tally. Um, and the uh, there's probably there's there's a, a bunch of notable clients, but the really sharp ones um, sort of come in the the second half of the race. Um, and but it's interesting because like sarah was saying um what happens is it's kind of a sprinter's race but it it, it is a race where um the big teams really sort of throw their weight around and and fire as many people off the back of the bunch as possible through those early stages so it is actually really really important um as you as you get to the kemmelberg to to be in the right position not just as a rider but as a team to to make sure that you're not 
um, lost. Also, not least because, as we all know, these these Belgian roads aren't necessarily always the widest roads in the world. And um, <laughs> as as happened to our dear friend Marianne de Vries, um, last year, if if you get caught when the when the road narrows and someone in front of you goes down or slows down or whatever, you can miss the break and that's it. Your race is done through through no fault of your own. So it's it's that classic thing of 160 riders trying to be on the front of the race at the same time when there's room for four. So <laughs> so half the skill is is being in the right place. Um, but it was it was. Um, Pretty pretty interesting to see how that progressed, not just from from the Camelberg, the the, the first uh, climb, which also I should add when we say we're talking nasty climbs, you know, it it, it peaks at about seventeen percent. So you know, like <laughs> they're, they're fucking nasty climbs. They're not big, but they hurt you. They do hurt you. They make cobbles. And yes, and they're full of cobbles. And the ones that aren't cobbled are paved. So. <laughs> You know, future cobbles, just waiting for a little more brokenness. Um, <laughs> you know, a few couple of hundred more riders crossing them. Yeah, but... yeah, exactly. Um, so then you've got a, you know, the other cool thing about, about sharp climbs like that, though, is that you also get some pretty cool descents. Um, and so you, you get a bit of bit of crazy fast racing as well. And it all gets a little bit chaotic. Um but it, it's it's one of those ones where I think, uh, I guess the the group stayed, or most of the group stayed together for for quite a lot of the the race. Uh, well, there, I mean, there were there were heaps of people being. I don't know how to describe this really because like you, you still had heaps of people being machine. spat out the back. But yeah, kind of kind of washing machine like, isn't it? Where you've got like an attack, a break, an attack, a break, a catch, a break. You know, eight, eight, eight groups, four groups, one group, eight groups. Yep. It's really just like, it's like someone's just literally shaking up. It's like a kaleidoscope pattern, isn't it? Where, yeah, it is, where, where it's just constantly, like, every time it hits a cobble, the, the pattern changes slightly and what's left yeah, changes slightly or, and, and all that or, sort of or, thing. Yeah, I think the other I, thing that, that adds the, to the level of chaos of, of this sort of race, too, is, you know, not being a, a World Cup, there's no radios um, either, which is, is the case for most races, but it also means that, you know, you've got a lot more responsibility just resting on the shoulders of the riders to make snap decisions and, and you know, adjust to what's going on around them. So, yeah, I mean, I thought I think I think what was interesting, I mean, I had totally said Kirsten Wield's going to win this. I predicted Emma would win Trofeo Binder in, in my Podium Cafe post. Um, but I predicted Veald would win because Veald won last year. Mm. Um, Lizzie Armitstead won the year before after a solo attack. And this year. The rider who I think was most active was, was Vera Kuaduda from Beagler. Yep. And kind of came down at the end to a group of nine riders. And well, from those... well, ahead of that, there was a, there was a um, reasonably, reasonably strong group um, that, that dangled out there for a while. And, and on that sort of, was it last or second last lap, where they, they fought back before the nine went away. Um, and and that was quite interesting too, just because again it had those those same teams: Big Lab, Bowles, Lotto, Rabo. Um, you know, national team. Sorry, Netherlands national. Team. Yeah, yeah, and and because that was interesting because Field was riding from the Dutch national squad with yeah. um, a bunch of riders who from different you know whose whose main team was riding was riding Binder. So and that is was very interesting because it's mm. kind of like 
I'm used to Kirsten doing things without any help, but actually everyone else was racing against Kirsten, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. And and that was the thing is that by the time the, the main bunch had sort of caught back on, what had actually happened was that they didn't catch back on. The, the front group, that group of around 20-whatever, had actually just done exactly the same thing on a smaller scale where they just sho- shaken, shook, shaken more and more riders loose until there was just that group of nine still out there um and and that was kind of that was kind of it but it was uh it was a really interesting group and like you say like vera koduda um and um well obviously because we've given it away um lauren hall was there (laughs) no no she wasn't she appeared out of nowhere I love how you, I love I love how you sound all grumpy as if you haven't done that to me in every podcast. I'm going to well, do this yeah, no, no, time. but the point is, I get in trouble for it every time, so it's only fair that you get in the trouble for it now. <laughs> it's you know, that's what hypocrisy is, Sarah. So yeah, so they raced, they weren't, they raced, and yeah, nine coming in, a Kuruda attacked Hall, just a magnificent sprint. She's mm. such a clever rider. She's really, really canny. Um, I, she was she she became I think she came second in the U.S. National Championships last year, riding a really clever race. Just ah, oh. and did you see her post race interview on Sports, sir? No, I didn't actually. Oh my God, she's adorable. She's got yeah. this really heavy Mississippi accent, and it's her first ever. It's her first ever UCI race win. Like awesome. you know, she's she's come over from a, from a, for a small block of riding with Team USA. Yep, and just just total delight total just you know so excited to win and not just to win anyway but to win this race in yeah. front of these crowds on these roads on these hills mm. which i think must mean a lot more to a you know imagine you know you're an aussie or you're a you're well, an american that's, that's the come thing over. yeah exactly you're coming over with your national team to give it a go and and yeah. you know i mean nine have... most of the time you'd be like oh a top 10 finish would be amazing i couldn't imagine what that would be like <laughs> you know yeah 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 but to, to kind of do it on these climbs, especially these climbs, because, you know, I guess if you live in Belgium or the Netherlands, you've probably ridden these roads, but, you know, you've ridden mm. these roads before. And if you ride for any any team, you've ridden, you know, you've ridden some race over here, haven't you? You know, you've got yeah, yeah. Omloop or, or, or Flanders or whatever. But just to kind of, you know, to kind of those climbs that you sit at home looking at, you know, watching the men ride and dreaming about and, you know, you can go home and you say, yeah, I want Kent with Elgin and people will know what you mean. Yeah. And I think that's one of the other things too, is, I mean, like, you know, we're, we're fans of the sport. Trofea Binder is a name that, that we know because we know of its position in the sport, but, but even casual fans of cycling know, know Kent with Elgin. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's a great thing. One of the the other things that I loved too was that there was just such a an obvious rippling of of joy out among other American riders and fans. You know, like it, and and it goes yeah. to the same thing where it's just like, oh wow, it's so cool to see one of us. You know, do really well and achieve and 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 that sort of thing. And I think it's I think it's great too in terms of. Um, you know, we, we often talk about the complexities of, of trying to build a global sport over time. Um, and I think it is one of those really cool things that, that we're seeing more and more riders from different parts of the world start to, to really, you know, create a new, a new peak for the sport. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah, if, if you want to know more about Kent with Elgem, um, read Chloe Hosking's blog on Cycling Tips. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, touching on your comment about, you know, most riders have been here before, 
um, or who have ridden in Europe before have ridden these sorts of races. That was one of the things that I thought was interesting about um, Chloe's take on it was that she hasn't actually ridden this race before. I mean, obviously, she's ridden yeah. in this part of, of Europe before. Yeah. But she starts but off by so talking about how excited she was to actually do a different race and, and in, yeah. in, a, in a new area. Um, but the other thing that I really loved about her, her take on it, um, you know, Chloe had a, a bit of a rough day in the race, um, but um, she talked about how coming up to the Kemmelberg for the first time, she was, you know, in perfect position. She was really happy with where she was. And then she starts to climb and is sort of like, oh, shit, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and her line is, um, you know, it was like when you furiously push the power button on the remote to turn on the TV, but the batteries are dead. My head yeah, wanted yeah, to go, just... but the batteries in my legs weren't charged. Yeah. And she, she said later. She says later in that thing that, you know, I was, I was looking down to see if I got a puncture. Yeah. No, it wasn't a puncture. Just bad legs. And yeah. I love Chloe's. Chloe writes the best race reports I think I've ever read. Mm, you know, mm. she has so much insight and interestness. And I was oh, just Honestly, they're amazing, aren't they? Like, like you've so got good. all of the, all of the, the, you know, experience and knowledge that she's got from, from being a racer. But but in told in a format where like the story's still really gripping and and you yeah. know like it, it just is so good and I loved how how following on from that she she talks about how um, when she she caught back on that first time over the Kemmelberg she made sure to catch straight up to to her teammate uh, Emily Moberg um, to to just communicate to her we're going for you today you know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously that was part of their alternate plan, but I, I just, I don't know. It was a great moment of insight into the kind of um, selflessness is part of it, but but more the kind of commitment that you have to have to your team. You know yeah. that that her yeah, priority, okay. as soon as she realised that she she didn't have the legs for it today, her her priorities in order became one make sure Emily knows that we're writing for her so that she can adjust what she does appropriately and then, yeah. two, start writing for Emily to support yeah, her yeah. And, and get her there as well as I can. Um, yeah. and, and I think this is what I loved about I mean, we mentioned Tiff's um, blog for Cycling Tips as well about Binder. I, I loved about both of them is neither of these riders had the results that they wanted from these races, but they both give you such an honest and really interesting insight into what goes on in, in the minds of riders and, and to a certain extent their teams um, in these races. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah. But I, I, I think I was wondering if it was an Aussie thing, you know, because obviously Tiff and Chloe are both Australian. Like well, it's, both, it's true. We do, we do corner the world market on intelligent, articulate and good-looking people. It's, it's, you're right. And, no. <laughs> and, and humble. We're very humble as well, so... No, but but like they both they both. I mean, the thing that I thought was really interesting was Tiffany talks in her blog about the, the blah 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 the moment where you don't have the weight legs but you have the will, and Chloe talks about you know blah 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 the moment where you've totally got the will but your legs won't respond, mm. and both of them are true, and both of them are true in different races, and exactly. and, and will just I just love I love that they were so just love that they're so honest and mm. so you know I'm massive fans of both of them and they were just yeah fantastic oh absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Hey, 
been a good week for blogs. I was going to say, while we're talking about blogs, I mean, there's been some really interesting ones around. Um, I really loved, uh, I'm sure you've seen it, but Annika Todd's blog about um, oh, spending a, a day with um, Mariana Voss. Um, oh, love, And there's love, just, love. there's so many so many things to love about it because the whole story is fantastic you know from from the team being invited to to look at um, yeah yeah to look at um her trophy room even though she's away the family you know are like yeah yeah we'll host you you know look at all this stuff here hold these medals so oh, you know to, oh just take one she's got so many of them she won't notice um and this is team t- and this is really important as well because tibco is an american based team annika's canadian this is annika's first season in Europe in doing the spring classics yeah yeah and so it's kind of like again it's like the sort of thing where well if you if you're on a European team you've probably you know you you you, you know at least one of your I mean Mariana's trophy room is something else but but you know like like to say to a small American team with big ambitions yeah come over yeah yeah exactly you come know, over we'll hang just... out we'll do stuff you know and it, it's one of those ones where it's like you know like i mean reason four million two hundred and seventy nine thousand three hundred and sixty two why i could never be a professional bike racer is uh, you know i'm the kind of person i would turn up at, at a race that she was at and i would hide at the back of the peloton um because i'd be too embarrassed to to like make eye contact and say hello you know <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. so to be invited to the the family home view the trophies steal whatever you want um you know and and all of that is is fantastic but then it goes up to this whole other level when um she's able to arrange to go for a ride with mariana yeah um, and this is and this is how why Mariana is such one of the nicest people. Why why she is genuinely the, one of the nicest people in the world. She's inviting some random Canadian chick, you know, yep. over to over to you know, oh come and ride with me and let me tell let me give you some advice. Exactly, and yeah. and so there's this beautiful little summary of some of the advice that Mariana gave her. But there's also uh, like some really sweet moments too of like personal, I guess coincidence. You know how Mariana was looking at um, at medical studies. Um, and she she gave that up to pursue cycling full time, um, you know. And, and Annika is sort of facing that same kind of question herself at the moment. But then Mariana sharing how she's taken what she's doing now and and found other ways in which to to give back and and support the communities that she cares about and wants to help and and stuff like that. Like it, it's just a great story. It's yeah, really really good blog. Um- Another blog with a medical link. Aha, segue. Was, um, I, <laughs> it's I it's really like we liked... surgically planted that. <laughs> now, I really like Bridie O'Donnell's blog um, that she wrote about not having a magic wand, where she was, Bridie gave up cycling and she's, uh, well, you know, retired. Well, she's still racing in Australia, but she's, yep. um, yeah, so Bridie's finished her, her international cycling career. I don't know how to say it. Sorry, Bridie. And she was talking about the impact that the deaths of three riders had had on her, um, Amy Gillett, um, Carly Hebbard, and then yeah. this year, Amy Dombrowski, the yeah. cyclocross rider, um, all of whom, you know, Bridie knew. And just her, oh, I think it was, it was like she was talking about the impact it had on her mm. as, a, as a rider at the time, but yeah. also as a as a person and how it's changed her approach to medicine, you know, as, yeah. as a doctor, cause she's, she's working, she's working in medicine again. And I was, I, I it was so heartfelt and so moving because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, well, it was, we a, don't, it was a really honest glimpse into uh, a big part of stuff that we don't really talk a lot about when we talk about pro sport. Um, 
and and also the you know the the relationships between um you know like like sort of emotional and and mental relationships between what it takes to succeed as an athlete and and what happens to to um all of us in our lives through through the course of things like this um yeah. i mean it was it was especially moving to me this week because it linked into something i wanted to talk about too which was this, last week we had two blogs come out of the Vuelta El Salvador and one was from Mara Abbott who won the race which was all about happy happy what a great time we had you know how lucky I am to cycle how lucky I am to, to, to be riding you know mm. I, I had a really good time and I contrasted with Tony Hatterland um, from High Tech who was talking about how fucking dangerous these roads were yeah. and how race in El Salvador is really really shit and actually well and scary and scary. I mean, this yeah. year, last year, a car ploughed into an entire team time trial team in El Sal in the Vuelta El Salvador. Crash. You know, yeah. no, and how no one died, I don't know. This year, a helicopter following the race crashed, and one of the journalists, David David Diaz, was killed. And you know, and it's only from yeah. the way Tony describes the Tony describes the, the the race. It's lucky that no other riders were killed either. Well, and that's it. When and you when you read about poorly marshaled courses with with no no um, real traffic control, with oncoming trucks and cars, with with you know, it, it's just it's a mess. It's just it's a really mess, and it, it is. I, I, so so like i can't think of another way to say it but to me that's really morally wrong yeah no it is and and it makes me so cross because the el salvador races are 0.1 uci 0.1 races so that's you know you have the world champs world cup then you have 0.1 races yeah mm. um races that are really you know races like drenta acht or 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 omelet neusblatt which have a much bigger field are much harder races are point two yeah? Yeah, yeah but it really pisses me off that races that were dangerous last year and are dangerous this year and are probably going to be dangerous next year again you know i don't want to be sitting on this podcast in a year's time talking about how a rider was killed by an oncoming car in a race that is famous for being dangerous to ride yeah and I, I had it was interesting to me comparing Abbott's blog with with Tony Hatterland's because, you know, it's like I mean I I get that people want you know I get that especially for someone with Mara Abbott's complicated history you know her eating disorder to try and escape from the sport and things like that I get that she has you know for her she has to focus on the positive, but it doesn't help the sport mm, to yeah. to hide these things you know it doesn't help the sport to hide the fact that this is you know so I'm counting this well, in our shitty races that we that of of the year um number one el salvador again you know yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck well that and and this is it, it it's it. not even it's not even six months since we were we were or actually maybe it is six months since we were lauding the riders for for staging a, a sit down well not a sit down protest but an actual actual protest on the the final stage of um toscana and and yeah. and you know saying it's it's something that's got to be supported because when their safety is jeopardized and and it sounds i mean obviously i can't say for sure but the reports that that we see from the two races make el salvador sound infinitely worse than than um even yeah. toscana and and what what the hell is going on in in this yeah. situation where is the the uci oversight and and i mean i understand yeah there's commercial interests at play there's a lot of money on the line for sponsors and for teams and for for whatever but money never trumps safety. It, it just doesn't. 
you know, and especially no, not no. for. I mean, sport at the end of the day is a is a athletic form of entertainment. You know, where where these people are doing this, you know, to entertain us, and you know, obviously competitive nature and, and so on and so forth. But but the point is that's that's what it's there for. That's why there's any money at all to to support it. Mm. We can't justify people's lives being at risk, seriously at risk, for entertainment. That's not entertaining anymore. That's horrifying. That's what it is. But you know what? But what else pisses me off about it is that in Toscana, you've got Mariana Voss, the Queen, and Elisa Longo Borghini, and Giorgia Bronzini, who can stand up there, who are willing to stand up there and say, no, we're not doing this, you know? Mm. And we had the Tour de Languedoc Roussillon last year, which was such a shit shit show that. Rabobank, um, you know, Rabobank and Bald Dolmans refused to race. You know, what the fuck can high tech do if they're the only team going, this is shit? What can they do? Yeah. And, you know, and what we're basically saying is, it's, it, as a, we, as a sport community, is it's okay to endanger the li- lives of ra- racers in El Salvador because, you know, they don't count. It's mostly, you know, it's mostly local riders. Oh, just don't. Ah. Mm. <sighs> Maybe, I mean, I have to maybe, yeah, I was going to say, maybe we have to declare rant over and move on before yeah, we have an aneurysm, and, so. But I do have a segue. Really? You <laughs> have, how the fuck do you have a segue from that mess? Okay, so the Vuelta El Salvador was an adventure race where you had to just wait to Well played, Connolly, well played. <laughs> Meanwhile, in South Africa, there's one of the actual most, de- there's an actual, actual adventure race, one of the most demanding races, an eight stage mountain bike stage race, the Absa Cape Epic. I, I know Epic is overused in cycling, but holy shit, it was Epic. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. If you go on my um, women's cycling Tumblr, which I think is called womenscycling.tumblr.com, it's women's cycling. Uh, it's, it's a secret and mysterious name. <laughs> Women'scyclingtumblr.com. I have no idea. I can't. Yeah. I don't hey, even hey know just what quickly. Just, yeah, which podcast are you on again? Is, uh, it, is it Broken Spokes? <laughs> I'm with you, Dan. When I'm with you, I only think of you. <laughs> she said to John. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's, it's like you can see my Tumblr is absolutely full of photos of the most spectacular landscapes, the most incredible mud, fording rivers, portaging down mountain passes. Um, oh my God, the Cape Epic was just amazing and I can't believe it. And um, yeah, the women's race was won by Ariane Kleinhans and Annika Langbad. Um, who hadn't raced together before. And it was also the first year they've had equal prize money for women. So it was just, you know, they had Sally Bigham and um, Esther Seuss in second place. And yeah, um, Langvad and Kleinhans had had a catastrophic mechanical, I think, on stage one. So for them to fight back, because, you know, this is a race where you win it by like 33 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which isn't much. We think, oh, 33 minutes, that's a long time. Yeah, over over eight stages and over uh, well, like... Well, and, and they're whole... huge. They're huge stages and they are yeah. genuinely, you know, it, it's like ride your bike to the bog, carry your bike through the bog, <laughs> ride around the lions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's... Yeah, just, it's yeah. just... It's just unbelievable and, and you know they, have, they go through the water stations but you know they don't have team cars so if you if you have a mechanical mm, you got to fix basic, it yourself yeah 
And they had this lovely moment where, where the two top competitors, two top teams in the men's teams, one of them had a mechanical, and the guys who were in, who were who were winning and could could could, could, could bypass them, but they stopped to help them fix their bike and gave them bike kits. Yeah, you know it's like one of those races, and um, it's just just amazing. But my favourite moment, and this reveals how soppy I am. There's a photo, so they have races for men's teams, women's teams, mixed teams, masters teams, things like that. And there's a photo at the end of one of the mixed teams when they finish the race and at the end of the Cape Epic doing that together. The guy gets down on one knee, pulls out a, a ring from the back of his jersey pocket and asks his racing partner to marry him. Now, like, I have a couple of couple of points on that. I mean, one, fucking cheesy as hell. Two, how fucked would he have been if he'd lost the ring on, like, stage four? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but if you can make it through the Cape Epic well, that's, together that and was, still be that was that was that was point other. three. That was point three, though. Fair play, you know. I, I mean, talk about testing the relationship, you know. It's yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that is just that's just yeah. the most extraordinary thing. I mean, presumably he'd got the vibe that she wasn't like, I am never talking to you again as soon as we get home. You fucker! I can't believe you did that on stage two, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, or, or the reason they set such a good time was that she was trying to ride him off her wheel the whole way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was really, I loved it. Yeah, um, of yeah, course you did, because um, you're a massive sop, but, you know, like, cheesy. Yeah. And mm. of course, Dan, um, of course, riding an eight-stage mountain bike race must be quite hard on the old, uh, on the old, um, oh, on right, the old yeah. lady. Yeah, or as the, I think, actually, my favourite euphemism, and we've already talked about her, um, is... One that I, I first saw from Bridie O'Donnell, where she would occasionally make mention of the undercarriage. Um, yeah, <laughs> so. it, must be, it must be. Yeah, it must be quite hard to ride on. You know, quite hard on the old undercarriage to ride the Cape Epic. <laughs> well, on fire today. Segways and get the uh, get the occasional saddle sore, possibly. So yeah, the, yes. Um, the reason we mention this is our friend Clara Beard, who uh, runs the Broken Spokes podcast. Um, where I may or may not have been um, dallying. Well, to be fair, we, we did have Clara on, on our podcast first, so, you know, reciprocity. Yes. And, and to be and fair, you also, you also cheated on me with the broken spoke. Oh, through. well, that's only theoretical. No evidence of that's come to light yet, so... <laughs> anyway, Clara, um, Clara, Clara interviewed Molly Herford, who's the, who runs Cyclocross magazine, and Molly has just written this, written this book called Saddle Saw, mm. which is all about cycling and the vagina. Well, I mean, it, you've actually read the book, haven't you? I have. I have yeah. read the book. See, because I thought it was. Really... I thought. I thought it was about you know cycling and practical advice for women that that may sometimes have not been explicitly about the vagina, but but maybe it. it tell me, please. Is it? In, it's entirely cycling. And no, the vagina? It, it's basically talking about lady issues on the bike, and yeah. I love it. You know, like what's it like riding with menstrual cramps? What's it like? You know, what is a saddle sore anyway? Should I yeah. wax or shave? Um, why do I feel numb after riding? And the reason I like this, yeah, I mean, and, and how long? Because, how long do I worry about it for? Um, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And so there are all these things, and I've got to admit, I have, okay, right, I've never used chamois cream. I don't know how. I don't know where to put it. I just don't. And, and like, now I do because I've read Molly Herford's book. <laughs> well, and, and this is actually one of those really interesting things. And, and I, would all, I would hazard, 
I, I would almost go so far as to say it's possible that this is a required purchase for every cycling club in the world because you know we've talked before and we've talked with Monique Hanley um, about the work they've done in Victoria to to help clubs become more women friendly. And I mean, I know as a as a guy in a sport dominated by guys, there's a, a whole ton of things that you don't really ask just anyone about, um, mm. and and stuff that you just find out by accident or or by horrific internet searches, um, <laughs> or, by, or by horrific or, by, or or that day when you get your chamois cream and your embrication wrong and you never make that mistake. Ever, mercifully, ever, 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 ever. mercifully, yeah. that happened to someone I know, not me. <laughs> But, I mean, I love this, honestly, this book, I, I was really interested, what I loved, I like the book, but I really like Claire's interview with her too, because, you know, you, it goes, well, because you have this moment where Molly Herford's saying, well, I, my biggest worry was I didn't know how to, I, I, found, it, I found it really hard to use the word vagina, and, and that was, that was fascinating for me, for all sorts of feminist, um, you know, feminist, mm. feminist reasonings, but, but also, she's like, why do you write, you know, she's, so she's gone out, she's got, she's, she's asked for, she's, she interviewed, gynecologists a couple of gynecologists um a coach some female cyclists um a a, a waxer yeah (laughs) she's like and so she's got and and it's really and it's really clever because you can see which bits of which advice to take and sometimes the bits of advice contradict each other but Mm. it's like it's 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 just so useful and she said she wrote it because she didn't know who to ask herself yeah you know molly she's a she runs, you know, she runs Cyclocross magazine. She's a cyclist. She's a journalist. Yeah. And and she's, you know, I mean, I never realised, you know, the thing about do not stand around in your chamois for for any length of time at all. Literally, as soon as you get off the bike, get out of your chamois. Only, you know, like just things like that that were really, yeah. you know, buy one, spend your money on one really really good pair of shorts and just just wash it every night. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Like, yeah, and just, it is, just, you know, all sorts of practical information. And as you say, like, I think it's actually okay even that some of the advice contradicts other advice because, you know, this is one of the problems that we run across all the time and, and comment on frequently is that not all cyclists are the same. And the needs of uh, uh, an elite amateur or a pro are slightly different from a commuter or uh, an enthusiastic, you know, hobbyist um, yeah. or, or whatever. So... You know, to me, it's a good advice book because it is, as you say, you get to you get to pick and choose um, and understand the reasoning behind these things, and then make an informed choice about what what yeah. is best for you, or or to trial it. You know, I mean, that's yeah. you know, yeah, um, and hopefully, and hopefully, saying- fewer mistakes um, as a result. Yeah, so, yeah. And she she said in the interview that she's planning to write one for men too mm. because people have been asking her for that already. And I was thinking actually, because on the one hand she can talk about being a female cyclist, like you know how do you fit, get your saddle? How do you even ask these questions? But I reckon it might be easier for a woman to 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 ask the questions about men than for a man maybe because there's no there's no kind of just admitting, hey, look, I don't really know what to do with this chamois cream. How do you even ask that without people like, you know, we're in a world where if you wear your sunglasses the wrong way in your huh. helmet. Over the straps or under the straps. Ah. Yeah, ah. you know what I mean? Um, you know, like, like, yeah, or if you've got your socks at the wrong height or whatever. I mean, yeah, you know, you get all sorts of shit for, for stupid things from some corners. So absolutely. You know. you know, and if people, you know, if people are being a, if people are being a cock to you because you've still got the visor on your helmet, for example, mm. how the fuck can you ask them about something like how do I know if it's a? I mean, you know, the bit where she's talking about is it an ingrown hair, is it a saddle sore, is it something else? You're like, oh my god, 
Yeah, I mean, I did. I, I did say I did wish that there were photos, not because I wanted to see them, but just because, no, no, no. But just in terms, no, no, of no. The, I, I know what you mean. I just imagine that being like the world's most awkward, you know, photo research project. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm looking for women with saddle sores to take pictures. Of. But yeah, but yeah. So um, go and see it. The 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 interviews on Girl Bite Love. Um, I think I got that the right way yes. around. And the and you can find you can buy Saddle Sores an ebook. It's for sale. I think it's at saddlesore.com. But go to our blog prowomenscycling.com and you'll find all the links. And I really recommend it. I mean, literally buy this book. If you're a woman, buy this book. If you're a man and you know a woman who likes bicycling, buy this book. It's just buy this book. Buy this book. Mm. Buy this book. Mm. Buy this book. It's not very long, um, yep. but yeah. By the but but someone someone somewhere will be grateful that you have this resource for them in their moment of need. So yeah, and a couple yeah. of people I've said already are like, "Damn, I want to buy this for my club." You know, "Damn, I want to buy." Yeah. It's just it's just so useful. So yeah, I think mm. you should read it. Um, Clara also interviewed Rachel Hill for Bicycling dot Yeah, yeah, and it was um, another fantastic interview. I was because um, Rachel Hill, for for those who who might not realise, is a sports director with UHC Cycling, uh, the the United, United Healthcare um, out of out of the US, um, and she, like most of their sports directors, as I understand, works with both the men's and women's team. Um, so she she became the I believe uh, first woman to to DS a men's team at Milan San Remo. Yeah, and and the bit I liked best was um, in the interview. She's talking about how when they were in one of the races, people would come up to the DS because she was in the second, you know, front seat. And the guy, the one of the, the male DS, was driving, going, "Oh, who's your VIP? Who's your guest?" Mm. And they're just saying, when she was, and so so he was like, "Well, you you know, for another for the next race, uh, you know, Copper Bartley, you 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 write, you drive, you drive, yeah." And she was like, and people were like, "Oh my God, it's a woman!" It just yeah. It's inter- I have an ongoing interest in how people become DSs, right? Because yep. when you hear about Robbie Hunter, for example, Robbie Hunter, known for saying the most outrageously awful things on Twitter and for being, you know, for getting into fights in the peloton. When you hear that he's got a job as a DS for Garmin, you're like, I just, I, I, really? And, and it's interesting as well because a lot of men automatically get jobs DSing for women's teams and mm. that isn't, you know, and it's like, and, and, you know, as practice, so, you know, with the USA yeah. national team or the, or the British national well, team. Well, and that's what I was going to say, that it, it's often done as a, as a stepping stone to the real thing, you know, yeah. air, air quoting yeah, real yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, one of the things I yeah. loved about this story was that it seems pretty clear that UHC are operating way more on a, no, if we need someone there, then we send them there. We don't give a fuck if it's a man, woman, monkey, chicken, whatever, you know, yeah, if yeah, we need yeah. someone to DS and they can DS, that's where they go. Yeah, and also, and, and, and like talking about, you know, about how their major guy DS is going to be going and DSing at the, at the, at the Giro Rosa. Yeah. Because yep. he speaks Italian and he's used to Italian racing. And you're like, and, 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 and the fact that they know that their guy DSs can learn from Rachel, because Rachel is a former cyclist. She's been DSing women's teams for years. She was last year the DS for Optum. Um, you know, she's just such a, it's such a cool, it's such a nice, it just makes me feel, oh yeah, a bit more hope because you know, so many women leave the sport and, 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 you know, can't get, um, you know, and kind of don't get a, you know, can't carry on in it, you know, and sometimes that's because you stop to have a baby or whatever, but it's, it's, um, yeah. Mm, mm. Well, and, and uh, I mean, look, there's a lot to love about that story and, and the interview really is great. Um, I found it really eye opening for a whole bunch of things, um, you know, like, 
like um, Rachel talking about how you know she's she's happy with the job, but obviously she's going to feel nervous because it's her first time. Um, you know, DSing, and particularly when she was driving the car, um, you know, at that level, and and how anyone would feel that, but then how on top of that she also felt the added burden because she knew that if she made any kind of a mistake at all, people would be like, oh yeah, it's because she's a woman, um, yeah. and and you know that sort of thing. But then also little things too, like um, the the mention of how um, you know some of the some of the other um, DSs or, or whoever in the in the caravan looked askance at her uh, when they saw her driving and because it wasn't, and again I'm air quoting which is the shittest thing to do on a podcast, but anyway um, traditional, you know and it really struck me how traditional is still this horrific euphemism for fucking sexist, you know, yeah. and, you know and stuff, like, so I, I was really glad I'm, to see the whole thing, but I, I wound up having to say, I, I do look forward to the day when this isn't a big news story and it's not a big deal no, exactly but yeah, and, and like it's just really, it's just one. That's one of the stories I wanted to read. You know, yeah. I'm really happy to read it because you know that's that's something that I'm like, yeah, I want to, I want to know about that. That's so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, we, well, we haven't got much time. Oh, no, wait. I was going to say we're running out of time, but there's a bunch of shit that we we kind of should uh, should tick off. So let's do let's do the the lightning round or the fast minute or whatever we want to call it this week. Um, how about this BBC Sports season thing? Um, yes. Yeah, you want to talk me through that? Um, yeah, Ollie Williams. Uh, he was. He was. If you if you will follow the Olympics on the BBC or online and stuff, you probably know of Ollie because he was in charge of that. He's been. He's gone freelance now, and he's living in Canada in like some incredibly snowbound Northwest Territory. He's part of Canada, but he wrote a season, a kind of season guide to women's cycling. It's from a British, for the BBC, so it's from a British perspective, but it has quotes from Emma Pooley, Lizzie Arnott, Lucy Garner, and um, me. <laughs> well, because, you know, you're, you're, you're just everywhere these days. You're a ubiquitous media presence, so... And then, no, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, I really <laughs> like it because it looks... It's, it's, no, sorry, that sounds terrible. I don't like it because it's got me in it. I would like it anyway. Um, it's got, it's got um, you know, it's got Emma and Lizzie and Lucy talking about different races that they like, which they think are the most important races, and, you know, talking about different riders yeah. and different teams, and it's just a really nice guide. It's a really nice guide to the season, and well, I really, and really recommend you read it. That's the thing that I think is really cool about it, is that we've got, you know, a major media organisation um, who have actually taken it upon themselves to create a a um, you know, a, a guide, a, um, a what do you call it, you know, a companion book sort of thing to the season, you know, an overview yeah. that, that's like, okay, so here's what you need to know. And yeah. um, and I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah. And um, and obviously, I mean, I'm assuming that there's going to be a, a lot of interest that that leads into the women's tour of Britain, um, as as relates to that as well. So I think I think it's great. Not just because yeah. you're in it. I would have thought it was great anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been even better. <laughs> Um, we've got links to tons more interviews and things on our website. We've got how to how to get women into mountain biking um, from Jess Roberts, Australian mountain bike star. Um, we've got like uh, Wiggle Honda's video from yeah, uh, Wiggle, Wiggle Honda team camp video and some of their photos and all sorts of things. So go to our blog, prowomenscycling.com. Um, my other thing I just wanted to mention was the launch of Team Jaden in the UK, which is a women's team. It's for women at all levels. Um, Heather Bamforth, 
who's been a real mover and shaker in getting women's racing in the northeast of north northwest of England is part of this and one of the editors from Cycling Shorts and it's a team that's purposely women at different levels getting them to be able to race and I love it it sounds so exciting and so interesting I definitely want to go back to them later in the season and find out more but that's on you can read their press release on cyclingshorts.com or go to our blog and you can find a link cool and um <sighs> should we talk I I mean look let's squeeze let's squeeze a couple of quick minutes in to talk Flanders yeah this is a big week of cycling on hmm. Saturday we've got the third round of the World Cup, the Run of Andalandra and the Women's Tour of Flanders. Oh. On Sunday we've got GP Dottignies. At the same time, right now, there's the women's um, there's the Redlands Bicycle Classic in the USA, yep. California, which is a really good stage race. Next week we've got the Women's Tour of Thailand and next week the Energy Walk Tour starts. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Also Flanders also Flanders. known as the Dan and Sarah Google hysterically as they picture Schlecks in a canal. <laughs> So Although, to be fair, Energy Box is actually a shorter name. So. Schlexing Canal. Last year, if you're new to our cast, last year we actually nearly died of laughing. We nearly choked to death mm. um, on our respective continents because they had riders falling in the canal and we were talking about how it's this is a right, right race that's flat. You've got to be a really clever rider. It's all about positioning, cobbles, wind, yeah. riding clever. So and basically, so it was impossible it. for the Schlecks to ride. <laughs> yeah. If 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 women if women riders end up in the canals, what the hell would happen to the Schlecks? So oh, yeah, God. I can't wait. But yeah, Flanders though. I'm mm. going to be interviewing Ellen Van Dyke this week about Flanders. So um, come back and make sure you see that um, because yeah, I think Ellen's going to be and, and lots more hopefully. Um, but yeah, Flanders. What can you say? Just. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Flanders, that's it. Flanders. It's. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I, look to me, that is like when you say spring classics, that's it. That's holy grail race. That is like, yes, yes. Yes. Now, don't, dear listener, get excited about being able to watch Flanders because you won't be able to watch Flanders um, because if you will be lucky if the sports of commentary flips to a clip of the a one and a half minute clip of whoever wins it at the end unless it's a belgian rider so you know maybe yeah. for hopefully it's Boch to win it but yeah <laughs> um yeah uh, we will get the usual um the usual couple of minutes from the uci and also their 26 minutes broadcast which you can see mm. as long as you're not in america um so yeah uh yeah um yeah, yeah. flanders Flanders. If you're sick of me hearing listening to me going, oh Flanders, just go to bellofocus.com and read his preview because that'll tell you sensible things about the race. Yes, yes, indeed. And embrace yourselves. It's going to be a huge week of, of racing, and we'll have uh, even more to try and pack into an hour that turns into like an hour and forty five minutes um, next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us this far. We'll talk Thanks to you soon. Up with us. <laughs> We're not sorry at all. Bye. <laughs>